this morning. This next song talks about God's grace. And I was just thinking about what exactly is grace. You know, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is by God's grace. It is his kindness and his love that he gives us that we do not deserve. You know, we are sinners. We are sinners saved by God's grace. We are sinners saved by his love and his kindness. So as we sing this next song, you know the words to it well. Let's just praise God for the grace that he gives us each and every day. Sing your praise. 
Aren't you glad to be here this morning? I'm glad to see you all this morning. Would you please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle? Um, and we greatly appreciate that this morning. Our mission here at Crossroads Ministries is to, um, is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for you, our church family. I've been watching how you're spreading the word, inviting friends and family, and, and letting them hear the good news of Jesus spreading the good news about our church and what God is doing here. So we're just so thankful for all that God is doing here at the church. Just a few announcements. Uh, on This Wednesday will be our last uh, Wednesday night for the children. On uh, the, uh, the, the Canopy Kids, will, I mean, we'll have Canopy Kids all through the summer on Sunday morning. But the Wednesday night clubhouse, this is their, their last one of the, of the year until September. So uh, they're going to have something special in the gym on Wednesday evening this week. And then they'll be taking a recess. Our teenagers will go a few more weeks over at the Straight Street building. And, uh, and then they'll be taking a short recess as well. But uh, we, want, we want to encourage you to be a part of our June Jamboree. Coming up on June the 10th, we have a, uh, a, an event out here on the lawn. So the, the, the field out in front of the church. Notice that uh, we're going to be putting up our big screen out there. We're going to have our summer movie series. The first one is uh, Big Hero 6. That's on June the 10th. And then we have Woodlawn. And then... Another movie, something, all right? Wreck-It Ralph. I don't know what that would be, all right? So, so there's three movies throughout the summer, but the first one is June the 10th, Big Hero 6, and that will be accompanied with a June Jamboree. That will go from 6 to 9, and then the movie will start roughly at 9 after the sun goes down. So we're going to be uh, having this event, June Jamboree. We've got a, several bouncy houses, uh, all kind of carnival games, uh, hot dogs, all kind of fun stuff, concession foods. But what we want to ask you to do is to help us. We're, we're looking for, this is a great way to serve. Um, and serving is just that. We come and serve. We do something for somebody else. So I want to encourage you to be the church and step up. Stop by the Welcome Center. There's many areas that you can serve. Uh, maybe you can pl- uh, help, help kids play a, you know, a beanbag toss game. Maybe you can help with parking. Help tell a car, here, please park here. Maybe you can hand a hot dog out. Uh, there are many ways that you can serve. And uh, just come out from 6 to 9 and help serve, help us run that event. Spread the word in the community. Next week we'll start to have flyers that you can hand out. But we want to spread the word. This is a bridging event. We're asking people to come, and we're not going to be preaching to them. Uh, there, there won't be uh, anything of that nature. We're just going to have a fun day with them. And just be neighbors, and be neighbors in our community, like you would in your backyard. Except we're going to have bounce houses and a big screen, all right? So uh, spread the word and invite people out. It's a free event. That'll be June the 10th, and then we'll have the other two movies the rest of the summer. Man Up is on Saturday, June the 4th. Uh, This is a conference for men. Coach Mike Tomlin from the Pittsburgh Steelers will be there. He'll be challenging men to to man up in their community, man up in their home, man up in their church. And there will be many other speakers there as well. So this is is a, a fantastic event. I... I would like to encourage all men in the church, please stop by the Welcome Center. They have more information. Sign up. We'll get you a ticket. 
and, uh, and, and, and enjoy this. This would be a great time. If nothing else, you get to see Coach Mike Tomlin. I mean, come on, all right? But uh, you will be encouraged. You'll be challenged in your faith. It'll be a great day. And then on Saturday, June 11th, there'll be a Walk for the Homeless sponsored by the, uh, by the Light of Life Mission to support them. Roger and Deb Metcalf will be our team leaders. If you can participate, please sign up at the Welcome Center, and Roger and Deb will get back to you on that. And then there's one other announcement. You'll notice in your bulletin it says dinner for six. There's a table in the foyer when you exit the foyer today off to the right. Uh, you'll see it. it looks like a dinner table over there. And dinner for six. Here's what we're, we're, we're asking the church. We value community. We value com- a connection. So one of the things we want to do is we want to help you get to know other people in the church. So we're asking you to make a commitment to, to go to dinner with six people. It could be maybe your group will go to somebody's house. Uh, and the way that would work at somebody's house is whoever hosts it, they make the main dish. Uh, couple number two brings the, uh, the, the salad, and couple number three brings the dessert. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be costly. This is just a, a time for people to get together, to meet each other, and, put, and get to know people a little bit more than what we are just rubbing shoulders on Sunday. So that's dinner for six. I want to encourage you. Sign up. We're going to put you, uh, help you, encourage you to get signed up. And then the, the coordinators of that, what they're going to do is try and put people with people that you don't normally hang out with. And you get to meet somebody new. And, uh, and that will be fun. So some groups may meet at a restaurant. Some groups may meet at home. That's not what's important. What's important is that we're getting together. And so the commitment is to go to dinner for six for three times. Once in June, once in July, and once in August. Now, I don't know about you, but I eat dinner pretty much every day, all right? So I'm not asking you to do something very hard. Just connect with some other people. So you could be single, you could be married, it could be couples, could be singles, whatever. Put it, on, put it on there and get to know some other people, and let's be the church. And as the church steps out and we connect and we, we take the things that we value, community, connection, and we actually do them, it's amazing what happens. And who knows, you just might find a new best friend your BFF, right? You just might find one of those out there in the church. So we're thankful for what God is doing. We'd like to welcome you if our, you're our first-time guest today. Please stop by our Welcome Center and, and, uh, and receive one of our gifts. We have a nice gift for you this morning. And as we, I, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'd like to receive our morning offering. As our ushers come forward, if you're, if you're, if you're a guest with us today, please let this plate pass you by. This is for our regulars as they're growing in the grace of giving, and we honor the Lord this morning. So uh, the, the Earthquake Relief Fund in Ecuador had a great talk with Daniel Gonzalez the other day. Our group is getting ready to go, and on June 20th, we'll be taking 26 people from the church down to Ecuador. He was telling me about some of the relief efforts that they're doing, the, the funds that, we're, that we've been sending, and, and you've been very generous. We thank you for your generosity, and he thanks you. Uh, they've been using it to feed people. They're, they're going to help put a roof on a church. Uh, something, you know, sometimes when you're talking through the Spanish-English translation, you lose a little bit. But I know this, they're going to help rebuild a church. And uh, we're thankful for all that God is doing. And I want to thank you for your generosity reaching out around the world and touching people's lives. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you. Thank you that you are God. Thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for the way that you have provided for us, Lord. You've given so much to us, and uh, we honor you. We stop and we say thank you. Lord, we think of the people in Ecuador this morning. We think of uh, many people that after the news media trucks have gone, they're still trying to rebuild life.
Thank you for our missionaries that are out there trying to make a difference. Thank you that we could come to their aid, that we could support them as they meet the needs of the people. Father God, I pray that you'll be with each one of us, Lord, as we give to you now, Lord, that you would take each gift and, and, and use it for your glory, Lord. As we receive this offering, we ask your blessing to each gift and each giver. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Salvation through repentance at the cross on which he died. Please stand with us. Now hear my absolution, forgiveness for my sin. And I sink beneath the waters that Christ was buried in. you 
starting a new series this morning entitled Joyride. And what, what comes to your mind when you think of a joyride? You know, you're, you're thinking of a, of a really nice car. And, and it, it's a convertible and, and the, 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 the roof is down. And you're, you're just taking a nice ride and, and the wind's blowing through your hair. And, you know, you just had that York peppermint patty. It's just so wonderful, right? And, and you're just thinking of how awesome this day is. Joyride. We're going to be talking about joy for the next several weeks and how to have joy. And how that joy is such a vital part of the Christian life. I have found that many believers, many followers of Jesus, have, uh, have some really good head knowledge. They have the correct understanding of, of, uh, of some facts, but they're missing this thing called joy. They're missing this joy. And, and sometimes you see some, some believers that are just uh, so down all the time and so, everything's so hard and so challenging. And, and we do, we do have challenges, don't we? We have hard things to deal with and things that are at times uh, a struggle. But joy... The Christian life, we, God has given you this ability to have joy. We're going we're gonna to look at this for the next several weeks of how to have joy. But a few thoughts this morning as we begin our joy ride. As I tell you to let the wind blow through your hair this morning, or what's left of it, right? I tell you to let the wind blow. I want you to think with me about this. Joy is not a personality. Joy is not about this bubbly personality. Have you ever met some of those people, you know, like, I'm joyful, Kind of like Richard Simmons, you know? I don't know what that is, you know? If, if that's joy, count me out, right? I, I don't want that. That's too over the edge. You know, God's made all these different personalities. There's the extroverts, there's the introverts, and everything in between. And joy is available for all. Joy is not about a personality. It's not about some, uh, some bubbly personality. Joy is what happens in your heart. Joy is something that happens down deep. It's a, it's a way that you embrace life. It's kind of a security, if you will, and it comes from God. Uh, that's my next thought this morning, that joy comes from God's Word. So many people have tried to manufacture joy. If I have a good day, then I'll have joy. If uh, the bank account has, has, is full, I'll have joy, right? That certainly is not a bad thing. I don't think I have a problem with my bank being full, right? Do you? But, you know, we, we make it all these circumstances. We look at everything around us. We say, if this, then I'll be joyful. And, and, and many people will say, if this relationship works, I'll be joyful. If the bank works, I'll be joyful. If my job works out. And many times they don't work out. But God's going to show us here about joy. And joy comes from God's Word. Look here at uh, Psalm 19.8. It says that the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord. This book here is right. It, it goes on to say, it says, The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. You want to know how to live your life? It's all right here. You go through, you look at Proverbs, so much practical wisdom. Look through the book of James. Look through uh, the book of Philippians. We're going to be looking in the book of Philippians very strongly the next several weeks because the book of Philippians talks about joy. Uh, Fifteen times in four chapters. The book of Philippians mentions joy. So what I want for you, I don't want to just inform you about joy. I don't want you just to walk out here and say, well, that's what joy is. I want your joy quotient to go up. I want you to become a joyful person. I want you to experience the joy of the Lord. Um, it, it comes from His Word. And, and, and as you develop joy in your life, maybe your joy 
at the end of our series will be doubled than what it is today when you start. And that'll come from God. It can't come from me. I can't give you joy in 30 minutes. That's impossible. It's not a switch that you flip on and off. Uh, We're going to talk about joy and how that God will... God will give you this joy. But it comes from Him. So I want to encourage you, in this book, we're going to look at the book of Philippians, four chapters, the Apostle Paul talks about joy over and over and over. Fifteen times he mentions rejoice or joy. Uh, Joy is normal for the follower of Christ. It should be expected. If you're a follower of Christ, you can expect joy in your life. And, you know, this is one of the sad parts. Like I said, many believers, I see many people that are followers of Christ, but they've lost the joy. There's just no joy there anymore. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, the world's really rough. The world's bad out there. It's even worse at our house, you know. And it's like you see this lack of joy. Even though there are problems, we can have joy. Joy is normal for a follower. Look what John 15, 11. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, joy will overflow. Your joy will overflow. That's the type of Christian life I'm looking for right there. John 15, Jesus went through this whole ordeal about being connected to the vine, the vine and a vine dresser. He says, if you'll remain in Christ, if you'll be connected to him, he says, I've told you all these things, all about, all about remaining him. Why? So that you'll have my joy. Now think about that. The joy of the Lord. The same joy that Jesus had when he was here on earth. He says, you can have that joy in your life. I think that's what's missing. So it's the missing ingredient in many people's lives because we're so focused on everything else but not God's Word. So God's Word is a source of joy. Joy is normal for a follower of Christ. I want you to think it with me this morning. Put, put a thermometer in your mouth. You know, if I go to the doctor and the doctor sticks that thermometer in my mouth, uh, you know, for the routine physical, if he pulls it out and says 104, he says, okay, we've got to do something. There's a problem, right? And, or if he pulls it out and says 80, he says, we've got a worse problem here, all right? We've got to figure this out. You're way too cold, all right? So when, when the doctor takes a look, he says there's a problem. And the same for you this morning. I want you to put the, the spiritual thermometer in your mouth this morning. And what is your joy quotient? When you pull, it out, uh, when you pull that spiritual thermometer out, are you seeing anger? When you pull it out, are you seeing bitterness? unforgiveness it's okay you're going to pull it out and you're going to assess the situation and say okay God I need you to help me because I'm dealing with bitterness and I've lost my joy over over a certain area of my life God I'm dealing with unforgiveness I'm dealing with these things I'm dealing with all these pain and God joy is not on the thermometer this morning take the spiritual thermometer Where are you at this morning? Joy brings strength. This is where strength. Joy will give you strength this morning. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're facing tough times. Nehemiah did an incredible feat there. In just a short period of time, it was like 52 days, they built this wall around the city. And it was just what, what a great lesson on what can be done. The book of Nehemiah is a fun book to read. Actual history, things that actually happen. But he tells the people where he's given them several instructions. And at the end he says, do not sorrow. Obey the Lord. Do what God's asked you to do here. For the joy of the Lord 
will be your strength. So you want strength. You want to have strength for tomorrow. You want to have strength to, to do what God's called you to do. Uh, Jesus told his followers that he wanted them to have joy. It's the joy of the Lord. And it's the fact here this morning that uh, determination is not your strength. So many people said, well, you know, you've just got to be determined. I agree. Determination is very important. Perseverance is very important. However, the joy of the Lord is where our strength comes from. It's, uh, it's, it's what He gives you. The joy of the Lord will give you strength. Joy is a process. I said already that it's not a, it's not a switch that you can flip on and off. Psalm 51, David says, My God, uh, would you give me back the joy of my salvation? Lord, give me the joy of your salvation in my life again. He had some sin issues that came into his life, and he had to deal with a sin issue. Maybe for some this morning, there's some sin issues you've got to deal with. We deal with them and come before the Lord. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. God, I remember at one time we were, I just felt so close with you, Lord. But I don't have that joy anymore. And there's something that's come in between us. And so God tells us to deal with that. Joy is a process. Um, look here at uh, Psalm 126.5. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Do you see the process? Sow in tears and then reap in joy. So there, there's pain. We go through pain and then there's joy. Uh, you, you will grieve. John 16.20 says that you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. What's the first part of the process? Is grief. What's the first part of the process? Tears. And then you reap in joy. Uh, your, your grief will turn to joy. I want you to think with me this morning about, uh, about a little thought of maybe there's some difficult people in your life. Now, I know you're good church people, right? There's no difficult people for you. You've never had somebody that, that, that is hard to deal with. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a process here. Uh, you look at somebody with a difficult experience uh, that has done something wrong or, or that, that took your joy away, and I want to encourage you that it's right there that God may be trying to give you joy. Uh, when you're looking at some difficult circumstances, difficult people, the very thing that is stealing your joy could be where you're going to receive joy. Now, that's hard for us to comprehend, but there's a process. And, and the very place that you see your joy being stolen from you could be the very place that God wants to give you joy. So uh, don't lose your joy worrying about the future. Don't lose your joy worrying about a checkbook. Don't lose your joy worrying about relationships. Uh, come and get your joy from God. When I learn to respond in the right way, I receive joy. Now catch this. The Apostle Paul, throughout the book of Philippians here, he's going to be teaching us that when I learn to respond the right way, I receive joy. The fact is, life has some challenging circumstances. The fact is, there are times that are, that are not too pleasant. But the way I respond to all these things, that's where God begins to give us joy. In, a, in, a, in the midst of a health crisis, in the midst of a family crisis, in the midst of a financial crisis, God gives us joy. Even though it looks like the joy is, is dissipating, it looks like the joy should be gone at this point, God says, I'm here to give you joy. I want to do this. But it's all in how we respond to these circumstances of life. Uh, in Philippians, Paul says here, do you want to live for joy? Well, here's how. In the whole book, we're going to have so much fun. I love the book of Philippians. It's, to me, one of the most practical books in the whole Bible. And you're going to see how he says how to have joy. I want you to have this joy. 
And if you'll have this joy, here's how to have it. But, but think with me, if, if he could write this in four short chapters and say, you know, rejoice, have joy, rejoice, and, and say that 15 times, couldn't he be, uh, where, where was he saying it from? Was he, was he looking out over some nice view? Was he on, in Hawaii, you know? Was he on a golf course looking at this, this beautiful green, this lush, everything's so happy, you know? Was, was he sitting on vacation home out at the Outer Banks and, and just penning, you know, to the church at Philippi? No, he's writing a letter to the church of Philippi. Uh, and here's what happened. The apostle Paul was used greatly by God. He was awesome. This guy was at one time the biggest opponent to the church, and now he becomes the biggest force to catapult the church forward. God used him mightily, but, but as he's moving forward in his life, he was preaching the gospel. So at one point he went to this town called Philippi. And in this town called Philippi, he started the church. And the church took off and it grew. And he, he spent many years in Philippi. And then he takes off and he goes to the next town. God allowed him to do many great works. Ten years later, after he leaves Philippi, we find Paul in Rome in jail. He's in jail for preaching the gospel. He's done nothing wrong but give the good news of Jesus Christ. He's in jail. And, and when you think of jail, today's jails are, are nothing compared to, jail, to the Roman jail cell. He's in a Roman jail cell, and, and it's dark. It, it's like a cave, if you will. And he's got, he's got cuffs on his hand. He's got chains holding, holding him. And it, it, there's, there's a few rats in between his feet from time to time. It's damp. It's miserable. And he writes a letter. He writes a letter to the, to the church at Philippi. And he has prison. He has joy in prison. Now, now think about that. Uh, you know, if I were in prison... What type of letter am I going to write to you? Probably wouldn't say too much about joy, would it? I think the first line would be, help, get me out of here, right? But as we look at the book of Philippians, he's writing this letter from jail, and, uh, and what does he do? He, he sends it on over, but he's not asking for help. He's helping them. Uh, have you ever woke up feeling like it's going to be a zippity-doo-dah kind of day? You know? And then all of a sudden you run into that person who took the zip out of your doodah. You know? And, and it's like, wow, what happened here? This is where Paul was at. There was no zip in his doodah. Whatever a doodah is, right? <laughs> okay? There's no, there's no zip in his day. He's in chains. It's dark. It's miserable. This is not the type of day that you say, I think I'll decide to write one of the most read letters ever in the Bible. He writes the letter and God uses him. And he writes this letter to the church at Philippi. And he starts out. Look how he starts out here. He says, uh, he says Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, this, this is one key thing to remember in relationships. Today, we're going we're gonna to look at joy in relationships. Because it's, it, it, the, the apostle Paul cared about people. And relationships can, can really mess us up. Have you ever noticed that? Relationships can make you or break you. And sometimes they break us and sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it makes you and it, it catapults you forward. But the Apostle Paul starts here with a very important thing here. And, and right as I, I have to be honest with you, when I read these letters, you know, you go through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. As I go through Philippians, I've read over this many years and I thought, well, this is just opening remarks. And you just kind of read through the opening remarks to get there. Did you ever notice? I, I, I don't know, maybe I was the only one who did that. But I just kind of like would skim through that and say, well, where's the meat? 
And listen, he's starting out with some meat to begin with. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants or slaves of Christ Jesus. Paul and Timothy. Paul was speaking the letter. Timothy was writing it. So Paul was dictating this, and Timothy's writing it. Handwriting it down. So as Paul talks, Timothy's writing it down, and he says, listen, we are slaves. In the other letters, he, he gave himself as the, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But he's coming from jail here. And, and in the town of Philippi, there's a lot of bad-mouthing going on about Paul. It wasn't pretty for Paul. And Paul says, my only claim to fame is I'm a servant. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. He identified who he was. In your relationship. I think it's very important that you identify who you are. See, so many times we look at other people and we identify ourselves based upon what somebody else thinks about me. We identify ourselves based upon what somebody else, uh, that I didn't live up to their standard, that I let them down, or I, 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 I. The Apostle Paul was in a situation like that where, where the church at Philippi, uh, he, he's sending them some very encouraging news about joy, but in Philippi at this time, uh, it's not pretty. There, there, Paul wasn't like a household name at that point. There was some bad mouthing going on. And Paul says, listen, Paul and Timothy, we know who we are. We are servants. We're slaves of Jesus Christ. And then he says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. He says, to all the saints who are at Philippi. When we think of saints today, we think of like maybe a statue or we think of Maybe somebody who did something really, really powerful. These people did some high-powered events, and they, they're called saints, right? Well, that's not the biblical meaning of the word saint. I want you to understand the word saint means, it means this, to be set apart for, for a special purpose, set apart for God's purpose, and that's what you are. You are a saint. You realize that? My wife has never welcomed me when I come home from work and say, Hi, Saint Ken, you know? I don't think I'll ever get that. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just say, you are a saint. Go ahead. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Now, now I want you to say that at 6 o'clock tonight when you go home too, all right? You are a saint. But check that out. You are a saint. Saint Ken. Saint Sean. Saint George. Sounds like a vacation place to me, right? Listen, you are a saint. And God said, and, and he's writing here, he's saying, listen, to the believers, to the saints, those that are set apart unto God's glory, in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi, he says, to this town in Philippi, and he says, with the overseers and deacons. He was talking about the leadership to the church. So not only was he addressing it to the general, he was also encouraging the leaders. Many of you are leaders in your work, leaders in your family, leaders in... In some, in some capacity, and he says here to the overseers, that's, in, in the Bible there's several words that, that can be translated for that same word. Uh, pastor, bishop, elder, overseer. These are all the same word here, okay? Overseers, to the leaders, to the pastors and the deacons. He says, oh, to you as well, grace to you and peace from Christ, uh, from, from grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He starts out, and he gives us some very interesting thoughts here. Philippians 1, 3. 
He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. I thank God for you making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing he tells us here, uh, as, as we look at verse 3, he says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you. He's thanking God. The first thing I want to encourage you to do today is to put people in your thoughts. Put people in your thoughts. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He's in chains. The, 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 the least likely time that I would be writing a letter of encouragement in jail, in the dark, penning, uh, dictating it, and somebody else is penning it. And he says, listen, I thank God for you. And he takes and he puts people, he puts people in his thoughts. Do you ever get so task-driven that you forget people? You know, I've got to get this done. The house got to look perfect. The lawn got to do this. We're in the middle of this project, this thing at work. And sometimes we forget the people around us. The Apostle Paul starts here. He says, listen, uh, even though I'm in a in a terrible place, I'm thinking about you. And what he was doing, he was thinking, caring thoughts about the people. It was 10 years later. So he, he had been there, and he planned the church, and God did some great things in the church. But 10 years later, he's in jail, and he's writing. And he's writing to the, to the church at Philippi, and he says, I have caring thoughts about these people. He cared about the people. He kept thinking about them even when he wasn't there, when he didn't see them. I have one of those personalities out of sight, out of mind. Okay, I don't know if you're, if some of you are like that. Some of you say, how rude, right? Uh, when, when, when I go on vacation, I'm happy on vacation. I think about vacation. I don't think about home. And when I'm home, I can't think about vacation because I want to go on vacation again, right? So it's like where I'm at has is, is got my attention. The Apostle Paul, he was thinking about people when he wasn't with them. He had caring thoughts for them, and he was, he was thinking... Uh, he, he's, how can I still make a difference? He remembered people, and he wrote back, and he ministered to the people, and he didn't stop caring. I'm reminded, I have a, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Dave. He lives in South Carolina. Uh, and, and I'm going to follow, follow the thought on Dave here, but uh, th this guy, he came to know Christ here. And, and I have him in my mind from time to time. I think about him. And, and that's what the Apostle Paul did. He says, I thank God. He comes to him in prayer, comes to the Lord in prayer, he's thinking about these people. Uh, he had thankful thoughts. Paul was thankful for the people in Acts chapter 16. If you go in Acts chapter 16, you'll see the first time he goes into Philippi, and you see that there were three people that came to Christ. First of all, he's in jail in Philippi as well for preaching the gospel. Paul was in and out of jail. You look through his life, it's kind of an kind of exciting story to follow. You just see this guy in and out of jail. And as he's in and out of jail, God does all these great and powerful things. In the jail at Philippi, he's there, and, uh, and, and, and you know, of course he's praying. You know, he wants to get out, no doubt, and God opens the jail, and the, this, this great event happens, and, and, and the jailer says, all right, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me, so I might as well kill myself. So he's ready to commit suicide. He's ready to take the sword on his own. And just as he's ready to do that, the Apostle Paul says, wait, we're not going anywhere. And the, and the guy's like, what? 
And you go through and you read it, and it, had that, and it ends up that this jailer comes to Christ. He says, what must I do to be saved? So Paul stepped in, and he brings this man to Jesus, and this man comes to Christ. It was a pretty powerful story. The Philippian jailer. Uh, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This man's life was transfer- transformed. He was a middle-class, hard-working guy. And God transformed the guy's life. So he has thankful thoughts. He's thinking about that guy. He's thinking about the slave girl. There was a slave girl. She was probably from a, a, a poorer condition. And she had a, a demon possession. She had all these things that she had to deal with. And she too came to Christ. He's thankful for the businesswoman, Lydia. Lydia was a successful businesswoman. And she used her house to start the church at Philippi. And, she, and the Apostle Paul says, I want to thank God for those people. I want to thank God for what they've done. My question to you this morning is, when was the last time you thanked God for somebody? When was the last time you thanked God for the people in your life? So many times we look at people and we, we only see their shortcomings, don't we? Have you noticed that? We, 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 it's so easy to see flaws. But when was the last time we looked and said, man, I really thank God for my wife, for my children. I thank God for that person who's teaching my child in Sunday school this morning. I really thank God for I thank God for the people on Wednesday night that are taking care of our teenagers. And, and, and when was the last time that I paused and I said, thank you, Lord, instead of, uh, well, you know, well, this could be better or that could be better, this should change, and that's where we like to go. But the Apostle Paul, remember, he planted the church. He was with them, and no doubt there was a, a lot of time that he spent with them, and no doubt there was high highs and low lows, and, and yet he comes with them and he says, okay, I thank God. I thank God for you in the highs and in the lows. I thank God. You know, there are difficult relationships. Um, difficult rela- relationships. If you start leaving joy out of the process, it's so painful. And sometimes there are difficult relationships. And let me say this. Sometimes there are toxic relationships. If you have a toxic relationship, you have to end it. Okay? A toxic relationship, you have to, you have to, you have to say, okay, I can't, I can't continue that. For example, somebody sets out and says, I'm, I'm going to become a follower of Christ. I'm going to be living for Jesus, and I want to do everything I can for him. And, and the guy says, well, but I have all these friends over here, and these friends are dragging me down. We care about them. We think good thoughts. We're, we're praying for them. But sometimes that, tox, that toxicity is hurting me to the point where I'm not able to, to move forward. Sometimes we have, to, we have to distance. We have to pull away. We have to say, I'm not going to let that, that negativism. I'm not going to let their, 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 their draw on my life hold me back. I'm going to go forward in Christ. But this morning I'm talking about here, when we're talking about thankful thoughts, have caring thoughts, have thankful thoughts. It's a, you know, listen, we can't grow unless we let go. You got that? We can't grow unless we let go. Sometimes there's, there's things that have happened in our life. There's so much pain and we have to let go. And if we don't let go of something, okay, whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness, or whether it's just even a relationship in general, we can't grow until we let go. And sometimes, you know, imagine these praying hands before God. And we we just have this anger, we have this bitterness because of events or circumstances or people in our life. And we, we have these angry hands. We can't even be heard before the Lord because we're so much in anger. We have to look at that thermometer and say, okay, I'm dealing with this, and I have to let go. Because I can't grow until I let go. And that, that's, that is so important in our life this morning. Uh, how about finding people that have helped you? You know, when you, 
I remember years ago, my, my dad, just a lot of health challenges. And it was challenging for me. It really was. From the time I was in college till, till, till he died, actually. It was, it was a very, very big challenge. And it was painful. And they'd be calling, and I'd have to run him to the hospital. And, I mean, we had a lot of ups and downs. And I remember just dealing with this, and my joy was gone. I, I had let go of all the joy because I was dealing with the, the pain of the circumstance. Then one day I went into the hospital, and I'll never forget, I looked over to some, these people who were caring for my dad. And I just went and I said, I want to thank you for the way you've cared for my dad. I know he can be a challenge at times. And these people were just so happy. And you know what happened? My joy started to come back because I started to look at the things that I could be thankful for. And in the midst of all the pain, I saw, look, these people are caring for my dad. These people are doing this. And, and, and we can do that in your life today. There are so many negative things that, that are happening around you, and you can go and you can look and say, okay, well, over here. Look what God has done here, and I am thankful. That's what the Apostle Paul's doing. He's in chains, and he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making prayer with joy. He has joy. He has, he's making this prayer with joy because of, because of the believers, because of the followers of Christ. Uh, he has joyful thoughts, not jealous thoughts. You know, have you ever noticed this happens in church? We see somebody else excel and we get jealous. Maybe they're serving in a capacity that you wish you could have served in. And we get jealous because somebody else is serving in that capacity. Where they get a, they get, God blesses them financially, you know. And, and they have this and, and you're like, wow, you know. If I had that kind of money, I'd give money to God too. Yeah, listen, we get jealous. Isn't that, that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to be joyful, not jealous. And it's so easy for us to, to get our eyes off of Christ. And Paul's going to be bringing that out strong in the letter here, that we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus because there are circumstances that change all around me, whether, whether somebody is doing well in a ministry or doing well in their business, doing well in their family, doing well in any other area. Now, I remember there was a time that I used to look at certain families and say, why couldn't we be like that? I, you know, I, why couldn't we have that many family members? Why couldn't we just have those big Christmas gatherings that they have? And then I realized, wait a minute. God, you're giving me joy right where I live. You didn't make me that family member. You gave me my family. You put me, you gave me my parents. You gave me my whole family that I, that I have. And all the shortcomings that come with them are in every family. And God, you gave me mine. And I started to get joy. I started to get my joy back from who... God is and what he has done. There are confident thoughts. Now listen, this, this here is really, for me, so helpful. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So he says, from, from then until now, you've been, you've, been, you've been following Christ, and I have joy. Verse 6, uh, being confident of this very thing that he who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to think confident thoughts about people. And, and here, here's how this works. So, I have looked at that verse. We can put that verse up or verse 6. I have looked at that verse uh, throughout my life and said, wow, this is great personal application for me. I am confident of this very thing 
that he who began a good work in my life will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And that gives me great joy because 40 years ago, God started a work in my life and I'm confident that one day, one day he will complete it in my life. I'm not a finished work. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad that you're not finished, you know? I remember we used to sing that song when we were kids, He's Still Working On Me to Make Me What I Ought to Be. Uh, it took him just a week to make the moon, on the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. But how loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. He's taking 47 years so far to work on me. He, built the, he made the earth in a week. How much more does he care about you than the trees and the sun and the stars? Think about this. I can be confident. So I took that as great application for me. I am confident that God isn't done with me. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And, and, and no matter the ups or the downs, that God is there. And he is still working. And you know what? I'm not confident in my abilities. And I think that's where we get error. We are in error when we get confident. As a parent, sometimes I look at my children and I say, well, you know what? I did the best I could as a parent. Yeah, I did the best that I could. And I'm not confident and the fact that I did the best that I could. I'm confident that God, who began the work in my children's life, will be faithful to complete it in their life. Whoa. You want to talk about some freedom? You want to talk about some joy? Um, you want to talk about in your wife, your husband? I'm confident that no matter what ups and downs, and all of life is up and down, no matter what's going on, that God is working in my family. I'm confident that God is working in our church. You know, there are high days and low days. Today's a pretty great day. A couple weeks, must you're going to be on vacation. And I'll be here. And it's okay. Now, you're only allowed to go once. <laughs> but listen, my joy doesn't come based upon how the day went. My joy comes from God. And I'm confident of this, that while you're on vacation, or a softball tournament, or you name it, wherever the, that, whatever's going on in your life, I'm confident that when you're experiencing trouble in your life, you know, I meet with people all the time. And people come and I, and I hear things that they're going through. I hear their problems. And it, it's painful. It's challenging at times. But whenever I look at those people and I see the things that they're dealing with, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of what, what God says here. He says, I am confident. The Apostle Paul didn't say this about himself. He says, about the church at Philippi, all those saints, I'm confident of this. That God who started that work more than 10 years ago is going to be faithful to complete it. You can be confident that God is working. I love that. I am confident. I am sure of this. There's not a whole, thing, a whole lot of things you can be sure of, are there? But you can be sure that God is working. And so as you're thinking about relationships, I want to encourage you, don't be confident in people. Don't be confident in your own work. Yeah, li listen, it, it, he says, he who began the work, Jesus, will be faithful to complete it. Those words there, that was begin and complete. In the original language there, they, this was, Philippi was a... a uh, a Roman, a Roman. They pride themselves on being a Roman town, and so as uh, they, they, it was Greek speaking, and they understood these were words 
that were used in Greek sacrifices. The word begin was the same word that was used in beginning a sacrifice. And the, in the original language for complete was the same word for ending a sacrifice. And in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says that I beg you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he who began the good work through his death on the cross, through his sacrifice, will complete your sacrifice. I hope that gives you some joy this morning, knowing that he is working in you, in your family, in all these relationships. You can come before God. We need to put our, train our mind. He takes them to prayer. He puts people in his prayer. He puts people in his heart. And he prays and he, he lays it out before the Lord. And he's doing this in a dark dungeon. In a jail cell. Think that we can be thankful. We can get our joy from the Lord this morning. In whatever dark cell that you may be. That's bound for. As we close our service this morning, I want to challenge you this morning. Will your joy quotient go up? Will you be able to put people in your hearts and in your prayers? For some, some have dealt with some, uh, some really toxic relationships, and, and you, have to, you have to walk away from some of those and be thankful for the, the ones that, that are healthy that God has placed in your life. And come before the Lord and just focus in on Him and thank Him for who He is. Start there this morning. Maybe your spiritual thermometer, you've pulled it and you said, oh, I'm dealing with anger. Maybe you've pulled it and you said, I'm dealing with unforgiveness or bitterness. Or I'm dealing with uh, anger not at people but at, at circumstances. Maybe you're dealing with anger at God this morning. I encourage you to come before the Lord and say, God, this is where I'm at. I pull the thermometer, and I need your help this morning. God, help me to put people into my thoughts. Help me to think about the people in my life in and, and caring ways and thoughtful ways, in, in joyful ways and in confident ways, knowing that God is working in their life. Even when it looked like they experienced utter failure, even whenever they walked out of here and, and said, I didn't even want to follow Christ. Lord, I know you're working in their life. Father God, I pray that you be with each person as we respond to you. And I just, I'm confident. Lord, you've allowed me to be here to speak your words this morning. I'm confident that you are working in the lives of our church family. In each individual life and through thick and thin, through high and low, through pain and in and, uh, and, and times of good. You're there, and we get our joy from you, Lord. We need our strength to come from your joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service. If you'd like to come and kneel, feel free to do so. Sing a, a verse or two, and you'll be dismissed. Jesus crucified Salvation through repentance 
at the cross on which he died. Now hear my absolution, forgiveness for. 